Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to <laughs> Hashtag Murder! Woo! <laughs> On a Sunday fun day. On a Sunday morning. I'm Scar. I'm Alex. And we're millennials who love murder. Uh, and we got mimosas again. Again. Yay! We already had them at breakfast, but I had bought mimosa stuff yesterday at the grocery store, and we can't let it go to waste. Nope. So, we're doing it again. Mm-hmm. We're having more mimosas. Um, yep, we're at Alex's house again. Oh, um, Okay. I don't know how I have not told you this yet, but I have a Galenism for you. Oh. And there's lots of these, uh, but she said this one like a couple months ago, and I just, I keep forgetting to mention it. Um, so she said, she was talking to Harley and I, uh-huh. and she said, she was talking about Terry, her husband, using his sleep thingy. The sleep, the sleep pap? Yes. CPAP yeah. thing. Um, and she was talking about him not wanting to use it. And she said, well, he could die. And then she said... Well, what if he doesn't die? Because <laughs> then she's got to take care of him. Because then she's going to have to take care of him. <laughs> so she's got to take care of Maverick the baby and Terry. <laughs> it was so oh. fucking funny. Oh, I wish Gaylene was my mother-in-law. Yeah, she's got a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Gaylene-isms. Um, well, we'll get to them all at some point, I'm sure. We can make a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. But worse, what if he, he doesn't, doesn't die? die? <laughs> too fucking funny oh man uh so how's your weekend been it's good yesterday was kitty katniss's third birthday oh kitty katniss which apparently in cat years that makes her 29 years old so we're almost the same age because that's fun i am almost 29 oh that's real fun so kind of katniss is older than i am just by a little bit oh little baby Yep, she's uh, living her best cat in his life. Yeah, we got a new dresser. Um, my wife is big into thrifting. Um, I love it so much. Um, <laughs> she just brought home a dresser yesterday, and it's in our closet, and Katniss was kind of chilling underneath of it. So I think Katniss is determined that that's her birthday present. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's only like three inches of space. <laughs> she's real she, small. <laughs> she fit under there. Her fat <laughs> kitty butt squeezed under there. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Oh, that's too funny. But we got something special for you guys today. We do. It's our first female serial killer. <laughs> so Harley is really going to like these ones because she really likes the lady killers. Yeah, no, this is going to be a good one. Yeah, so. Uh, and we actually, we kind of collaborated on the notes. So we are going to try popcorn reading. Yeah. Um, so we're going to bounce back and forth and tell our little portion of the story. Um, and this bit. Be- this bitch, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> I'd, I'd, oh, man. I think the only podcast I had ever listened to was, like, the, the podcast one. Like, Serial Killers, that one. Yeah. And, like, I didn't... They don't, like, go into her childhood that much uh-huh. into that episode. So I had no idea, like, how fucking insane her childhood and like up to like i don't know mid-20s her is. whole life is wild her whole life is wild but like i had no idea that she did a bunch of crazy shit before she started killing people yeah um she did not have a good um she didn't have a good life really so no. much she had a terrible childhood terrible <laughs> teenagerism. yeah uh mid-20s were awful the girlfriend was awful um 
Everything was awful. Everything was awful. It was so bad. Oh, all right. Well, let's get into it. Alex is going to start us off here. All right. So Eileen Carol Pittman was born February 29th. 1956. Okay. Leap year, baby. I think that's uh, supposed to be good luck, though, isn't it? Uh, uh, Maybe not for Eileen. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's more of a bad omen in her case. Uh, and she was born in Rochester, Michigan, which is about 20 miles north of Detroit. Oh, okay. Oh, I pulled... <laughs> So I wanted to know, like, where this was on, like, the little map. I um, had no idea that Detroit was, like, so close to Canada. It's southern Canada. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but that makes sense now. Um, I guess I've literally never looked at a map. That's why it's so fucking cold <laughs> up there. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Uh, Eileen's parents were Diane Warnos and Leo Dale Pittman. Leo Dale. Leo Dale. Goddamn. Okay. <laughs> Diane and Leo got married when Diane was uh, 14. Okay. Leo was 18. All right. We have childhood lovers. Once again. Childhood (laughs) child lovers. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. They were married on June 3rd, 1954. And on March 15th, 1955, Eileen's brother Keith was born. That's like almost exactly nine months. I know. Weird, right? <laughs> nine months after. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, so their childhood marriage was not all sunshine and rainbows. Oh, that's shocking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Diane filed for divorce from Leo Dale a few months before Eileen was even born. Oh, okay. Diane gave birth to Eileen when she was 16. So now Diane is a single mother with two kids at 16 years old. That's bonkers. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't imagine. Uh, I can't have a... <laughs> I can't imagine having two kids right now. Yeah. (laughs) And she had them at 16. Ah, Oh, that's wild. Okay. Uh, Eileen actually never met her father since, which is probably a good thing. Uh, He couldn't have helped or hindered her. I don't know, even more. But since uh, good old Leo Dale was in prison before she was even born. Oh, Would you like to know why? I would, please. Um, Yeah, he was convicted and sentenced to life for sex crimes against children. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's uh, he actually comedi- completed suicide while in prison uh, in 1969 oh, at the age of 34. Wow. Yeah, he was not a good man. Yeah. And uh, during his incarceration, Leo was diagnosed with schizophrenia, oh. which um, does typically run in families. Yeah. So yep. keep that in mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll circle back to that. Okay. Um. All right. So whenever Eileen was four years old, Diane could not handle being a single mother anymore. Um, and honestly... Honestly, she wasn't uh, really great at it anyway. She drank, did drugs, neglected her children, and she was fucking 16. Yeah, she's a teenager. Yeah, so Diane abandoned both Keith and Eileen, and they went to go live with Diane's parents, Lori and Britta Warnos. Okay. So, uh, oh, quick side note. Eileen's father, Leo Dale, had this same exact thing happen to him as a child. Like, he was abandoned into the care of his grandparents. So the cycle is not ending. He perpetuated. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but that is a duck... (laughs) putting in her her two cents <laughs> she has a lot of feelings about eileen she does oh shit. come on eileen <gasps> come on eileen <laughs> that song has been stuck in my head <laughs> oh, those oh, are the only words i know oh shit okay um, so Lori and Britta warnos they had officially adopted keith and eileen in 1960 which is whenever they changed both of their last names to warnos so that's how we get eileen warnos okay um, unfortunately, this was not going to be a good thing for either Keith or Eileen. Britta, their grandmother, was actually very kind and loving, weirdly enough, um, and invested in her grandchildren. But Laurie, on the other hand, was quite the opposite. The kids had it rough from the very beginning, and Eileen actually 
states that her grandfather, Laurie, had sexually assaulted her multiple times whenever she was a child. His own granddaughter? Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's bad enough to do it to a kid, but doing it to your own grandchild? Yeah. And I can, I mean, we can only assume that this was also happening to Diane. Yeah. Because, I mean, if he does it to his own granddaughter, I'm sure he didn't have any feelings about doing it towards his daughter. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, And Lori would make Eileen strip down naked before brutally beating and sexually assaulting her, which is very sad. Yeah. So we can feel bad for childhood Eileen. Um, This is not the life that she chose. Shows. She was born into it, and here we go. All right. Yep. Uh, but not only was Eileen being sexually assaulted by her grandfather, she was also sexually active at school. And she would trade her body for money, cigarettes, drugs, food, really anything she could get out of people. And not only was Eileen doing this at school, but she was also having sexual relations with her older brother, Keith. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, and this was weird because later in her life, she recounts how much she loved her brother, um, and they had like a really good relationship. So I don't really know what went on there. Uh- she probably just had a like misconstrued view of like uh, love and sex because like yeah. she's she probably thinks that all families are like that when in reality um no they are not all like that yeah it's very you think sad she, do you think she traded like sex for moon pies she traded food <laughs> moon pies yeah like snacks like debbie cakes and stuff <laughs> little debbies evil deborahs uh, as my mother used to call them <laughs> christmas tree Debra's are, so are good. they're so fucking good. <laughs> Those are the best ones. Uh, the zebra cakes are good, but whenever they transform into the Christmas, Christmas tree, <laughs> it's just it's magic <laughs> in plastic. It is. They're so good. Oh, that's funny. Okay, all right. <laughs> so after trading sex for moon pies, we're coming up on age fourteen when Eileen becomes pregnant. Oh fuck! Well, that didn't take long. No. Do you want to know who the baby daddy is? <sighs> Not her brother? No, not her brother. Okay. Uh, it's actually not anybody from her direct family or school. Oh, okay. It's a buddy of Eileen's grandfather. Oh, my God. Yeah, so not only was he uh, raping his own granddaughter, but he's now pipping her out to his friends. That's... Like, it's like a fucking lawnmower. I don't know. That's so disgusting. So, Eileen gave birth to that baby boy on March 23rd, 1971, <sighs> and named him Keith Allen Warnos. After her brother. After her brother. Oh, weird. Okay. Um, Eileen delivered him at a house for unwed women, which was pretty common for the time. Yeah. Uh, and the baby boy was adopted immediately in a closed adoption. Okay. That's for the best. Yeah, it's probably like the only good decision <laughs> she ever made in her entire life. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm hoping that that baby turned out to have like a wonderful and loving life and never knew who his mother was. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, he's probably still kicking. It was just 1971. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's uh, well, a little younger than my dad. Yeah. All right. So a few months later, Eileen's grandmother died of liver failure. And this is whenever Eileen drops out of school. And Eileen's grandfather then became their only quote unquote caretaker at this point, Mm -hmm. which we're going to use that term very loosely. Uh, He wasn't doing any sort of parenting for either of them. So a little after Britta died, Eileen's grandfather actually threw Eileen out of the house whenever she was 15. And Eileen lived in an abandoned car in the woods close to their home and was getting by as a sex worker. Her survival skills. Yes. Which is crazy. 15. At 15. And, like, I'm all for, like, you know, sex work should be legalized and, you know, monitored, all that good stuff, as long as you're doing it in a healthy, safe way. 
Yeah. But doing it at age 15, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. That's all she was just trained to do. She just thinks that's what her, her body is used for. Yeah. And that's, I mean. Like a sex factory. Yeah. And that's what her family essentially used her as, which is so sad. That's heartbreaking. All right. So now that we are caught up on Eileen's awful and traumatizing childhood, we can talk about her long list of pre-murder crimes and arrests. Yay. There's a lot of them. <laughs> Bitch it's a wild. long list. It's so crazy. Oh, she's lived so many lives. <laughs> she reminds me of like white trash Snooky. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. Okay, let's do it. Oh, she would have been so good in the Tiger King. <laughs> so, <laughs> at age 18, Eileen eventually makes her way to Jefferson County, Colorado. Okay. Where she was arrested for a DUI and firing a weapon from a moving car. <laughs> was she driving the car? Yeah, she was drunk, <laughs> driving the car. Firing a weapon out of it, like, it just... gangster style. Damn it. Okay. Um, shockingly, because she's not very responsible, yeah. uh, she did not appear in court for her charges, so they tacked on a failure to appear on her charges as well. Okay. So now she's evading the police. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, two years later, in 1976, Eileen hitchhiked her way down to Florida, where she meets a yacht club owner oh. and future hubby, oh. Louis Gratz Fell. Okay. Um, yeah, this ain't all good. Uh, you want to guess how old he was? Um, she's 20? She's 20, yes. I'm going to say 57. He's 69. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's so fucking gross. Uh, they oh, ma- no. <laughs> they married pretty shortly after meeting, um, but this new love did not slow down Eileen's criminal activity. Great. Okay. She's still going. She was arrested several times for drunken disorderly conduct in her usual watering holes. Okay. And she did a very brief stint in jail for assault. Okay. Eileen also hit her husband with his own cane. (laughs) (laughs) Which led them to getting a restraining order a few weeks after they were married. Oh, shit. These women and these impromptu weapons. I love Um, it. Yes. I love it so much. (laughs) Oh, my God. Imagine if you had, like, Mortal Kombat, but you had Eileen versus Catherine. (laughs) Catherine with her frying pan. And, and Eileen with, with her cane. cane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Their marriage was eventually annulled. Sad. After nine weeks. <laughs> nine well, weeks. I don't know why that didn't work out. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. Um, oh, and Lewis, <laughs> so weird. He lived on to be the age of 92. That's too old. That's, that's way, way too, too old. old. Yeah. Uh, and he passed away in 2000, and his net worth at that time uh, was between 2 and $5 million. Oh, she should have stuck with it and not beat the shit out of him. She probably yeah. would have got some money. Yeah. No wonder she, yeah, crazy. Well, I don't think she was attracted to him because he's cute. Uh, no. 69? I don't think so. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. She was in it for the money. So do you think Eileen was attracted to him because of, like, her grandpa? That's very possible. I mean, that's that's all she's ever known as. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. As a... Uh, um, and that was the only consistent, like, male figure in her life. Yep. He was older. Yep. That's what I was trying to think of. I mean, and he had cash. Yeah. <laughs> he had a fuck ton of money. Yeah. Uh, yacht club owner. Very yeah. cool. A few days before her marriage was annulled, her brother Keith actually passed away from esophageal cancer. Sad. Oh, okay. And Eileen received $10,000 from his life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Fancy. Which okay. Would equate to a little over $50,000 today. Damn. All right. Which is a fucking shit ton of money for someone who, like Eileen, has been making it by from sex work and, like, not paycheck to paycheck, but basically, like, booty call to booty call. Like, yeah. And she gets a whole ass life insurance policy. Damn. Also, weird that he had a life insurance policy. Like, why? I feel like that's not something that family would have. Maybe through work or something? Or maybe he knew he was sick and he would need it. Oh, yeah. That's possible. possible. Yeah. Okay. 
So, yeah, all right. Eileen um, got that whole thing, and after her brother's death and her divorce, she went back to her home state of Michigan to get a little bit of a fresh start. Okay. And as most people do, when they acquire a large amount of cash they've never had before, like, you know, lottery winners. Oh, yeah. She burned through all of it in a few months. <laughs> <laughs> Which included the purchase of a luxurious car that she quickly crashed and totaled. (laughs) So that didn't last long. No. I'm surprised she even has a license. Uh, And while up in Michigan... Uh, You don't need a license to buy a car. Oh, that's true. True. Just need money. Okay. Uh, She was actually arrested once at a bar for disturbing the peace because she threw a pool ball in the bartender's (laughs) face. He was probably like, no, Eileen, I'm not giving you any more Southern comfort. (laughs) No more SoCo for you. No, you can't have fireball either. <laughs> she just launches a pool ball in face. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. All right. Uh, so this is sad. Um, whenever Eileen was 22, she actually attempted to take her own life by shooting herself in the stomach. Oh. Which sounds like just a really painful, like, an awful way to die. Um, yeah, she would have slowly bled out. Yeah, I would aim for something maybe a little more... Like head, heart. Yeah. That something. Would take you out immediately. God wild um and this would actually have marked the sixth time that she had attempted suicide starting whenever she was only 14 years old and women typically don't shoot themselves to kill themselves because it's very messy as a cleanup and That's they don't true. want to cause other people to clean up after them so they typically like take pills or yeah drown like themselves or yeah. you know that's wild damn okay so eileen eventually makes her way back down to florida she continues to make it by by sex work and in may of 1981 she's arrested in edgewater florida for the armed robbery of the convenience store for $35 and two packs of cigs. Well, you know, $35 (laughs) then was like $100. Oh, yeah, that's true. 100 bucks and two packs of cigs. Yeah, she needed those cigarettes. Um, And Eileen was sentenced to prison a year later in May of 1983, and then she was released in June of 1984. She's basically like a year. Okay. Okay. One year after that, she was arrested for trying to use forged checks at a bank in Key West. She's getting all around Florida. She's just romping around Florida, causing mayhem. She is, like, the beginnings of Florida Man. But it was Florida Eileen. Yeah, Florida woman. Oh, fuck. Okay. So, Eileen, she's making her way all around Florida. Um, and then she is arrested in Miami. <laughs> yes. I'm, Miami's really close to Key West, though. So, at least she kept it a little close this okay. time. Okay. Uh, in 1986 for car theft, resisting arrest, and obstruction of justice for trying to use her aunt's name and driver's license during the arrest instead of her own. Uh, oh, so she did have a driver's license. Yeah, her aunt's. <laughs> okay. Six uh. months later, she was detained by police after being accused by one of her sex work clients for pulling a gun on him and demanding he give her $200. Oh, my. Which kind of becomes her MO. Yeah. Uh, once she was detained, they did find a 22 pistol under the passenger seat of her vehicle that she probably used to demand the cash from her client, which would eventually become her MO when she starts her crime spree. Yeah. She had a very, very specific uh, set of rules that she followed. Oh, yes. Every time. Um, okay. So, in this same year, 1986, 30-year-old Eileen meets 24-year-old Tyra Jolene Moore. Jolene. 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 Come on, Eileen. <laughs> Come on, Eileen. <laughs> Come on, Jolene. Yeah. Um, and also super weird. So Tyra's name is spelled T Y R I A, which looks like Tyria. Tyria or Tyria. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not how you say it because she refers to herself as Tyra. But then I was watching all these documentaries and they're calling her Tyria. I was very confused, but she calls herself Tyra, so that's what we're gonna call her. 
Her name is Tyra. <laughs> yeah. Or Ty. Um, okay. So Eileen meets Tyra at a gay bar called Zodiac or The Z. Oh. Yeah. Which I actually looked up uh, and it closed a super long time ago. So we cannot go. Damn it. I know. Very sad. Um, and it was in Daytona Beach, Florida. Oh. Gay uh, redneck capital. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Eileen and Tyra quickly U-hauled it, oh, which you- I learned from Alex. <laughs> that means... <laughs> Uh, lesbians typically they carry like U-Haul coupons in their wallets when they're going on dates, so they can immediately hit it up after the date and move in together. Yeah, they're gonna move in immediately. Uh, so they move in together, and Eileen supports the two through sex work, and Tyra's a hotel maid on the side. And ever since they first met, Eileen and Tyra were inseparable, as most lesbians are. Yep. Um. Yeah. Oh, young lesbian love. I know. So Tyra and Eileen actually got into a little trouble together. Mm. This was really the only time like documented that they actually like were together and got in trouble that's because tyra's smarter than eileen yeah um and this actually happened on july 4th 1987 america america fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay so july 4th 1987 they were both arrested after being accused of beating a man with a beer bottle oh yeah uh so they got girl power they got into some some tiffs uh and eileen was fucking feisty oh yeah she uh, was which we will get to right now <laughs> now we're getting into the the juicy shit yeah so four years into eileen and tyra's relationship eileen starts her murder spree oh boy she murdered seven men in the state of florida all within a year and all the victims had some sort of job that involved driving or delivering uh, or kind of traveling so they're on the road mm-hmm. yeah and all the these men were the ages between 40 and 65. So, you know. That, grandpa issues. Grandpa issues. Yeah. And all the men's bodies were found off of highways in central Florida, and they were all shot with a 22 pistol. Damn. I mean, she had it, not to give credit to her, but she had it down to a science. Yeah. She, she knew what like, she was doing. I'm gonna pick these guys. Well, well, I guess we'll get into it. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, okay? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. So, we're gonna start 1989 with 51-year-old Richard Charles Mallory. Okay. And... This one's probably the, not the most important of the murders, but the most crucial when it comes to, um... Oh, like her sentencing Her stuff. sentencing and all that stuff. Okay. So, keep, okay. keep this one in the back of your mind, because it's going to come back again. Yes. He owned an le- electronics shop in Clearwater, Florida. Okay. He lived life in the fast lane, loved to party, have a good time out. All right. Kind of like Eileen. Yep. Richard had picked up a sex worker. Eileen. Yep. Somewhere on US-1 and was shot three times in the chest. Damn. Richard's body was discovered wrapped in a rug, pockets inside out, several miles from his Cadillac that was abandoned. Alright. The seats of the car were covered in blood and his wallet with ID was also in the car. But his camera and radar detector were both stolen from the vehicle. Uh, You know, both expensive items. Yeah. Okay. Then we have David Spears, who was a 43-year-old construction worker. His truck was found abandoned with a flat tire on I-75 and he'd been reported as a missing person. David was shot six times in the torso, and his nude body was discovered two weeks after he was reported missing on June 1st, 1990. Damn. In Citrus County. Okay. Later, Eileen recounts that she and David had been hanging out, like, all day, drinking, boozing, partying, and she killed him all later that night. Damn. So this wasn't, this was someone she met at a bar, and she was, you know, getting free drinks out of him and shit, Mm -hmm. hung out all day, Mm -hmm. and then she killed him that night. Yep. Damn. This bitch is crazy. She's savage. <laughs> she is a savage. I've never had she an ex girlfriend. No fucks. <laughs> never had a girlfriend as crazy as Eileen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if you did, you wouldn't be here. Mm. So. <laughs> Very true. Uh, oh, 
lord. Okay, uh, moving on. So then we have 40 year old Charles Carskadden. Carskadden? Carskadden. That's a I great like name. It. I like, I like it. it. Okay. Yep. Uh, and he was actually a part time rodeo worker. He was a rodeo clown. Isn't that fun? Oh. Well, we don't know if he was the clown, but oh, we, can, well, we can think he was the clown. I want to think he was the clown. <laughs> yeah. You know who would make a good rodeo clown? Dustin. Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be really good at that. Oh, shit. Uh, okay, back to our dearly departed here. So, uh, Charles's body was found in Pasco County a few days after David Spears was discovered, and Charles was shot nine times in the chest and the stomach. That's a little bit of overkill. Yeah, that one's a lot. Um, and after his murder, a witness actually saw Eileen driving Charles's truck around town, and Eileen had also pawned a gun that was registered to Charles. Never pawn a gun. Yeah. It always comes back to you. Yep. Crazy. Okay, and then there's Troy Burris, and Troy was found on August 4th, 1990 in Marion County, less than a week after he was reported missing. Troy was 50 years old and worked driving a truck for a sausage company. I want to say something, (laughs) but I won't. Yeah, uh, so he was on the road a lot. So, uh, Troy's body was discovered by a young couple on a picnic in a wooded area. Way to ruin their date, Troy. Yeah, isn't that great? Can you imagine just, like, going to, like, a park and just stumbling? That'd be so fucking cool. (laughs) So fucking cool. Whitney would be traumatized, but I would think (laughs) it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Troy's body was bloodied and pretty decomposed, uh, probably due to the hot summer weather, like, in Florida. And it took a while to find him. Um, But his cause of death was too... Two gunshot wounds to the chest and one to the head. Yeah, if you've never been to Florida in August, um, it's hot as fuck. It's humid. Yeah. Bugs are everywhere. It's going to speed up that uh, decomp time real quick. It's nasty. Yeah, gross. Okay. Now, we have Charles Richard Humphreys, also known as Dick. Oh, God. Never go by Dick. Never go by Dick. Never go by Dick. Stupid. Um, (laughs) Charles was a 56-year-old retired Air Force major and Alabama police chief. Whoa. He was currently a child abuse investigator. Oh, shit. So, like, shit. a nice guy. Uh, uh, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find out. Charles was out on the road for work when he picked up Eileen. Charles's body was found by two young boys <gasps> riding their bicycles on September 12th, 1990. That's that's worse than the picnic. Oh, it's like uh, that movie Stand By <laughs> Me where the four boys go look for the dead body. Yeah. It's like oh, that. my God. Okay. Um. So, he was in a field of weeds in Marion County. All right. He was shot seven times to the head and torso the way he was shot was like from multiple different angles which police figured out it was him trying to like run in different directions from the shooter like how you know like run diagonal to avoid it yeah yeah um, there was no vehicle at the crime scene, but his car was found several weeks later, and under the driver's side of the car was a receipt from a truck stop in Wildwood, Florida, uh, right off I-75. Okay. The investigators went to this truck stop, showed the clerk the composite sketches, and she was like, oh yeah, they were here. I remember them because they seemed like a very happy and giddy couple, and they caught her attention. Oh. Yeah, so they were all lovey-dovey, and then Eileen was like, pew, pew. Uh, then there's Peter, uh, or Pete, Abraham Sims. Peter's body was actually never discovered. He was 65 years old and headed to Arkansas on a trip. Uh, he liked picking up hitchhikers, despite his family's warnings. Pete's abandoned car was found off a side road on July 4th, 1990. Another, another Another 4th of July. Another, another America murder. Yeah. In Orange Springs. This one was a little different and weird because authorities had an eyewitness place two people, a shorter, heavier set woman, Tyra, and a taller, petite blonde, Eileen. Oh. 
Eileen was only 5'4", so, like, shorter than both of us, but yeah. Tyra was, like, little, little. Super short. Okay. Like, 5 foot. Yeah. So, the witness saw Eileen and Tyra leaving huh. the vehicle in Orange Springs and taking off into the woods. Okay. Where, Tyra? Why were you there? And you didn't know about it. You know, I'm just Yeah. I'm not saying, because I don't want to get sued, yeah. but maybe, possibly. She might have had a little bit more to do with it. If you're yeah. driving around, or no, not driving around. If you're riding around in a stolen vehicle that you know is not your car or your girlfriend's car. And it might have blood in it. Yep, wild. Um. Oh, okay. So later we'll learn that Eileen and Tyra left the vehicle here after they were involved in a car wreck. And Eileen's palm print was actually later found on the inside door handle of Peter's car. So they could use that to, you know. Implicate her in the crime. Yeah. Um, and from this eyewitness account, that's the one where investigators were able to get a um, composite sketch drawn up of the two women. So that went back to kind of put that out of order. Um, but they had these two composite sketches drawn up from the side. One of Tyra, one of Eileen. Okay. Yep. Um, okay, carry on. Uh, final victim, Walter Gino Antonio. Uh, Walter was 62, found November 19th, 1990 in Dixie County. He was shot four times in the back and head, and Walter's car was later found with the license plate removed, seat forward, and Brevard County. Okay, all right. All of these murders were like rage-induced killings, and yeah. Eileen had so much hatred for these men, men in general, but specifically yeah. like white, middle-aged white men, middle-aged yeah. white men. Um, and she was a bit, she was cold-blooded murder. Yeah. Are there warm-blooded murders? <laughs> um, I guess like if it's like a. <laughs> manslaughter would be i guess warm-blooded because sometimes you don't mean to yeah that's true uh oh so uh i was curious about where all of these killings like took place like i knew they all happened in Sim central florida central florida yeah uh, so i whipped out google maps and it would actually take six hours and one minute to drive the route from all of these counties like if you were to go in the order that she went uh with the two farthest apart being about three hours so this the I guess distance makes... made it hard for um, investigators because they weren't all happening in the same place. And like, if you're one, like investigators always don't assume it's a woman just because most violent crimes are committed by men. Yep, exactly. So they're also not going to assume it's a woman right away. And then they're spread out so far apart. And you know that counties don't always talk to each other about cases that are happening. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So. Maybe Eileen is smarter than I'm giving her credit for. She. So fun. Um, okay, uh, here is this very consistent MO of hers. So, detectives noticed that in all of these men's cars, the driver's seat was slid all the way to the forward-most position. Because she's short. Yep, and all of these men who were murdered were between 5'10 and 6'5. So, there's no way that they were driving those cars last. No. Because that, uh, yeah. That's not a thing. Um, Eileen was super consistent. They're all middle-aged white men. She killed them all with a 22. She stole the things that she could. She would take their car, move the seat all the way forward. She would wipe down the inside of the car with Windex and remove the license plates, then ditch the car. Like, literally. It was planned. Same thing every single time. It was, it was literally planned. It's crazy. So, with all of these facts, this is whenever investigators think they got a female serial killer on their hands. Yes. That just gave me chills. <laughs> And then we knew it was a woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's so crazy. So watch out, men. So both Eileen and Tyra would take the stolen items and offload them at multiple pawn shops in the area. Oh, to get Eileen quick cash. and Tyra. I have hard feelings about this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you remember those sketches from the sighting of the two women? Yes. Yes. Uh, authorities released them to the media and people went fucking bananas. <laughs> 
<laughs> I bet. They got 400 calls for these oh, leads. Shit. Which, like, only four of them actually panned out and targeted Eileen, um, the taller blonde, a.k.a. Eileen. Yeah. And Tyra, the shorter, chon- chonky woman. Oh, uh, okay. Um, well, weird that four of those actually did target both of them. Yeah, like, normally, like, when That's you get, impressive. like, those a bunch of calls like that, it's, like, one of them pans out because people just want their five minutes of fame. But Yeah, yeah. Um, so if the police go to the last known location of Eileen and Tyra, which is at the Fairview Motel in Port Orange. Okay. The chick working there at the desk knows Eileen and Tyra immediately from the sketches, and I was like, oh, yeah, they're here all the time. One of their names is Cammie Marsh Green, which, why would she know the full name? Uh, <laughs> and they always stay in room eight. <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, you know, Cammie, whoever that is, lives in Holly Hill, which is, like, right outside of Daytona. Okay. Police went there, and it was actually Cammie Marsh Green, so it wasn't actually a name Eileen made up. She had literally stolen this woman's identity. <laughs> like she did with her aunt. Yeah. So she stole Cammie's identity. Uh-huh. And was using it. <laughs> uh, Change it up a little. That's funny. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, okay. So, investigators get the idea to check local pawn shops because they know that Eileen has been stealing all of her victims' shit. So they're checking to see if anyone is using any of these fake identities um, here at these pawn shops. And turns out that Eileen had used that same Cami Marsh Green alias at pawn shops as well. Um, and at this one specific shop in Daytona, Eileen had pawned off a toolbox that belonged to David Spears, as well as that radar detector and the camera that belonged to Richard Mallory. Hmm. So they got her, essentially. Also, side note, so we've, re- we've recorded this episode before. I think this is our third time. <laughs> And the first time we recorded it, I was super confused by this. So here's the thing. Apparently, that's actually a thing at pawn shops. They actually did take fingerprints, which is wild. So they find that pawn shop ticket with Cammie Marsh Green's name on it. Investigators run the print, but there's no match at first. Because not all of these prints have been fully uploaded into that new, like, APHIS fingerprint database. Mm-hmm. Database. Database. <laughs> you upload... <laughs> Bethany, did you upload the fingerprints to the database? <laughs> now, Bethany. Not my phone. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> so these fingerprint people literally start manually going through their paper fingerprint cards. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, and there's like thousands of cards. This is so wild. But it took 15 minutes. They're 15 minutes in, and they find the matching fingerprint, which okay. is crazy. They got lucky. Yeah. And these fingerprints belong to a woman named Lori Grody. Lori. Lori. That's you. That's me. That's my government <laughs> name. That's government first name. Uh, and it turns out that Lori Grody was an alias for Eileen Warnos. And her prints were on file because she'd skipped out on bond. Shocking. Yeah. So this is where they learn her real name. Oh. Crazy. Yeah. And Eileen, our girl, she's got a whole slew of aliases. <laughs> she loved a good fake name. Or no, a good stolen identity yeah yeah she went by lee uh sandra susan cammy and Lori. my favorite <laughs> yeah. so the police they're like all right we know which bitch we're looking for let's go uh, yeah uh okay so this part is completely insane it's wild okay so investigators know that eileen and tyra are both like bar flies they're at the bar Drugs. they're at all the bars drunks yeah um as they always seem to return to daytona uh i.e like all the pawn shops and arrests hotels they're That's all their home they're all in Daytona. So, they send in this... Uh, 
this undercover agent named Mike Joyner. And Mike Joyner is a hoot. He's a hoot and a half. I watched three documentaries and he made me laugh every time I watched it. it was... Oh, he's gonna get he's gonna get her ass. Oh, he was so fucking funny. Um, okay. So they send in Mike to search for Eileen and Tyra. And Mike searched like damn near every single bar in the Port Orange area, Daytona area, over the course of like eight or nine days. And then he finally spots Eileen. No Tyra, just Eileen. Okay. And Mike makes his move. He starts buying Eileen beers and shots and they're hanging out. They're playing pool. They're having a good time. He's gonna die. Oh, well, he doesn't die. You saw him in a documentary. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't die. Uh, but I, I feel as if this is this is her thing that she does uh, if she's not picked up on the side of the road. Um. So Mike said that Eileen could drink. This bitch could drink. And that she was very, like, friendly and nice until she drank too much. Then she was super not friendly. <laughs> she actually hit Mike on the back with a pool stick. What? <laughs> I just like swung it at him. Yeah. And Mike was like, what the fuck did you do that for? <laughs> and then Eileen gives him a hug, apologizes and says, honey, I just don't know. Sometimes things just come over me. <laughs> what? <laughs> and why is he not called for backup yet? He's been assaulted. Oh, he's trying to get her to admit some shit. That's why. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So then Eileen suggests that they switch locations. They're bar hopping. Yeah. Also, never go to a second location. Oh, this is so wild. Bar hopping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Eileen says the two of them should go to this biker bar called The Last Resort. And they go. Oh, also, Last Resort is still open. <gasps> Road trip. Yeah. And we should we should totally go. I, I'm down. Um. Okay. So. A surveillance team follows Eileen and Mike to the last resort. Mike makes the excuse that he needs to go get something out of his truck. He then goes outside, gets wired up by his surveillance people, and goes back in. Okay, smart. Yeah, so he's trying to get any sort of information that he can out of Miss Eileen about the murders. Oh, and at one point, Eileen has told Mike that she'd like to stay in contact with him because he's her type. A.K.A. all of middle-aged white men I'm gonna kill. <laughs> And steal all your shit. Yeah. So they've been chatting and Mike is holding Eileen's attention. And Eileen then goes on to say that she is heartbroken because Tyra has left her. Yeah, here's her weakness. This is Eileen's weakness. Tyra. That's her only weakness. And alcohol. Yeah. Um, and at one point she even started crying. It was actually like kind of sad. Oh my god. <laughs> it was like... I don't know. She just seemed like a normal person talking about how her girlfriend left her. And she's going through a breakup. Yeah, it was so strange. Okay. Yeah, um, so Eileen tells Mike that her and Tyra had been together for five years and that Tyra left her two weeks ago and that she had left... Well, we didn't know this then, um, but Tyra had left because those sketches had been released to the public two weeks prior. Oh, and Tyra's like, I ain't getting caught. Yeah, Tyler. Bye. Yeah, Tyra's like, uh, I look like that bitch. Um, Bye. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, because, yeah, Tyra wanted no part of this being arrested and going to jail business. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that I think Eileen loved Tyra way more than Tyra loved Eileen. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that was a little one-sided there. Uh, so, yeah. But that was a wild... <laughs> and that... Oh, wait, hold on. I lost my spot. Uh, one moment. So wrapping up this whole uh, sting operation here, undercover operation. Love a good sting operation. Yeah. God, it's so wild. Um, okay, 
So Mike, the undercover agent, lures Eileen out of the bar and Eileen is arrested. She's not arrested for the murders, but she's arrested for carrying a concealed weapon without a permit. Okay. And there was a warrant out for her arrest for that failure to appear in court four years prior. Okay. So the other investigators, the surveillance team, they stick Eileen in the back of a cop car with Mike, who's still undercover. He's still like pretending to be arrested with her. It's so weird. And Eileen actually calls Mike out saying, oh, I bet you're one of those undercover cops trying to get information out of me. Oh my, Eileen, I'm sorry. She literally you know said what? it. I called you dumb. She you're not dumb. dumb. I'm sorry. She ain't dumb. Uh, she's insane. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but yeah. she's not dumb. Uh, okay, so she never mentioned anything about the murders. Really, the only information investigators got out of this whole wild ordeal is that Eileen really and truly loved Tyra and would do anything for her. Is this some foreshadowing I hear? It might be a little foreshadowing. Oh, uh, real, my last piece about Mike Joyner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I love him. <laughs> he's ridiculous. Uh, okay, so in all three of the documentaries I watched, he's interviewed in all of them, and he He always says, (laughs) he has this real thick country accent and he like doesn't move his mouth whenever he speaks. Uh, But every time he says, piss on the fire and call off the dogs because we got her. Oh my God. (laughs) It was so fucking funny. And he said it the same way every time. Piss on the fire and call off the dogs because we got, I'm going to say that to Clinton tomorrow. (laughs) Oh shit. All right. I'm going to pop more back to Alex. So, dun dun dun. Eileen is booked and put into jail at this time. Yay! Uh, investigators <laughs> get into contact, uh, or sorry, so investigators get the contact info for Tyra. Because oh. they know how much Eileen loves Tyra. Yeah. And they're going to use it. It's her weakness. Yeah. She had actually moved back to Pennsylvania where she had family, and they bring her ass back down to Florida to interview her. Oh, okay. So on January 15th, 1991, Tyra spills all the tea. She explains that December of 1989, Eileen had shown up to their shared apartment with a brand new caddy and they both sat down in the living room to watch TV and Eileen confessed to everything she'd been up to. Oh, wow. Supposedly. (laughs) I'm taking this shit with a grain of salt. Yeah. And that she'd just killed a man that day. Oh, that same day? Yep. Who happened to be Richard Mallory. Oh. And Tyra says she didn't believe Eileen at first but then about a week later she saw on the news that Richard Mallory's body had been found and that's when Tyra knew Eileen was telling the truth. Now, this was the first murder. First murder, supposedly. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yep. So, Tyra's saying she knew about the first murder mm-hmm. and she didn't turn she her in. Didn't she didn't say do anything. anything. Didn't say shit. And then she killed six more people. Yep. Okay. Great. Uh, they honestly could have arrested Tyra right then and there when oh. they brought her in yep. back to Florida, but the prosecution wanted to use Tyra as a witness oh. and Tyra states that she wanted to help get a confession out of her ex-lover. Damn. Like, no, you want to save your own ass, Tyra. Yeah. We know what game you're playing. Yeah, I don't think this has anything to do with nailing Eileen. I think it has everything to do with saving your ass. Yep. Damn. Uh, investigators set up a sting operation and get Ty- Tyra into a hotel room. Tyra mails Eileen a letter to jail saying, hey, I'm in Daytona. Call me. Oh. And Eileen, because she's a little bitch, calls Tyra at the hotel. She's whipped. She's, She's fucking whooped. <laughs> Whoop. Eileen calls Tyra at the hotel and Tyra is saying things like, I'm getting scared of being arrested. The police are hounding me and my family. She's worried that she is going to go to jail. Uh-huh. 
Exactly. All that stuff. Yeah. And this plays into Eileen's little, little soft spot for Tyra. Yep. And she's, and it's, it's an emotional phone call if you listen to it. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell that Eileen really does love and care for Tyra. Maybe not the other way around, but Eileen yeah. loves Tyra. Yeah. And it it's like really sad actually to listen to this conversation because you can just tell how like lovesick Eileen is. Yeah. And they, they just sound like two friends chatting on the phone. It's so strange. Yep. That <laughs> she's this murderer. Yep. <laughs> Okay. So Eileen agrees to turn herself in to save Tyra from being arrested. Damn. And Tyra asked Eileen to do it like right now. Yeah. Because Tyra is a bitch. Yep. Yep. Uh, Eileen's relationship with Tyra was probably the strongest relationship she'd ever had in her entire life. Probably the only time she felt love for anybody other than Keith. Like, you know. Yeah. So it was smart by the cops to play on this. Oh, yeah. Okay. So within an hour of getting off the phone with Tyra, Eileen, because she's already in jail, um, she goes to the jailhouse office and she confesses no attorney no counsel no nothing she just straight up confesses to everything and actually i thought this was weird in her confessions she was actually like sobbing and it sounded genuine i think she uh, i'm sure she's like master manipulator and she's sober she's sober right now so she can like maybe put on put Put, on the show put on more of a charm yeah yeah but she was sobbing and i i low-key kind of believed her (laughs) that she felt bad She's just like this little lady. Like, it's like, so weird. Crying. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Eileen says she just got really drunk every time that she murdered someone and she would just kill these men and she didn't know why. And she just kept saying, it's just crazy. And she claimed that she killed all of these men in self-defense. Well, I have some feelings about that. Yeah. So now that we're getting into like the trial and prosecution and all that good stuff. Okay. I found some info on the death penalty in Florida because uh-huh. that is ultimately what our poor Eileen will go through yeah interesting okay Let's so hear it. in florida a person can be eligible for the death penalty if any of these things occur okay one a murder of a police officer or firefighter that checks out two if the defendant murdered more than two victims yep. Yep. three the defendant committed a murder for hire okay four if the defendant intentionally committed the murder in the course of a kidnapping burglary robbery or aggravated rape oh okay Eileen was charged with the first-degree murder of Richard Mallory, armed robbery with a firearm, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. Oh, so that was because she was robbing all of these people. Yeah, that's what they... And one of them was actually a police officer, because he was investigating children's sex crimes, so he would actually have been uh, qualified for the first one, too. Oh, yeah, okay. But if she didn't know that he was a cop, maybe it didn't qualify, so maybe that's why they didn't mention it. Oh, Um, you have to knowingly... Yeah, you have to knowingly kill them knowing they're a cop okay so this uh the murder of richard mallory is actually the only one that goes to trial the other trial charges were no contest pleas which we'll get into a little bit later Okay. All right. Um, Eileen's trial was held in Volusia County, Florida, and Trisha Jenkins was the public defender who represented Warnos. Sorry, Trisha. Uh, she <laughs> That's had a tough a, job. <laughs> she did end up having a private attorney, uh, Stephen Glazer, who represented her for her no contest pleas in the other murders because he wanted to use it as like a to get his name out there because he represented some uh, crazy psycho killer. Yeah. Okay. All right. It wasn't out of the goodness of his heart because he did those pro bono. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. Oh. Um. The DA and prosecutor for the case was. John Tanner and the judge I love the judge's name that's why I wanted to say this part the judge's name was Uriel Blount and he went by Bunky Bunky (laughs) Bunky Uh, and he actually came out of retirement just to judge this case like he wanted justice served for his fellow middle-aged white men he did (laughs) 
Well, Uriel was a Hispanic name, so maybe he was half Spanish. Oh, shit. You're right. Mm-hmm. He is. I saw. But <laughs> I know someone with the last name Blount or Blount, whatever. She works with us, and she's white. So I'm going to oh. ask her. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Bonky. So this was the prosecution's <laughs> so case. Okay. And they, had a, they didn't really have a whole lot of work cut out for them. It was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. So the prosecution was easily able to dismiss her story that she was killing in self-defense since her story with Richard Mallory changed each time she told it. Yeah. Okay. In her first confession, she said, Mallory picked her up while she was hitchhiking. They drove to a secluded wooded area for sexual relations. Okay. They began arguing, and she was, quote, afraid Mallory was going to roll her. That means uh, rob her. Like, take take all her cash. Yeah. Okay. Checked out. And rape her. She went to grab her bag, where she kept her gun, and they fought over the bag. Eileen was able to get the gun, pointed it at Richard, and said, you son of a bitch, I knew you were going to rape me. Oh, my. Eileen shot Richard at least once while he was still behind the wheel of the car. Richard crawled outside of the door and shut it. Eileen ran around the car, shot him again. He fell to the ground. And then, yeah, and then while he was down again, she shot him twice more, <laughs> went through his pockets, then hit his body under the rug and drove yeah, off with his car. Oh, my. And that was the caddy. Oh, yeah. The one that she showed up to at her house. And told Tyra, supposedly, she just killed somebody. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. Okay. Uh, so, the prosecution also convinces Judge Bunky, my, Bunky. <laughs> my new best friend, uh, to allow evidence from the other murders to be brought up in court. Because remember, Eileen is only on trial for the murder of Richard Mallory, not the other six murders. Okay. But Judge Bunky allows it, which is wild, uh, and apparently this is something called William's Rule, and it allows evidence from other crimes to be admissible in court. Yeah, it's if they, to show, like, the M.O., like, uh, because you know she did this six other times, almost identical so you can use those if it portrays to the crime that she's being trialed for. Okay. Which, you know, obviously they were almost identical, so they were yeah. able to use them. That's okay. what that is. All right, that makes sense. So Tyra also testified against Eileen at trial, and Tyra completely turned on Eileen. Shocking. Yeah. The entire time Tyra's on the stand, she refused to make eye contact with Eileen. Guilty bitch. Yeah, and this left Eileen, like, visibly heartbroken. Like, you can see that Eileen is, like, sad about this in court. It's so weird. Um, oh, also... <laughs> Tyra looked much better at the trial uh, than at any previous photos that we've seen of her. Like, she had the business in the front, party in the back hairdo. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then in court, she cut it all off, and she had short hair, and she looked much better. Much cleaner. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. So this is where things get a little tricky when it comes to my girl, Tyra. Yeah. Eileen gave officers mixed stories on what she actually told Tyra. In some stories, Eileen said that she just came up on a dead body. You know, because that happens to everybody. We just roll up on dead bodies all the time. (laughs) And in others, she actually admitting to killing them, which makes me feel like Tyra knew a lot more than she was letting on. Because what Tyra told officers is that she didn't know anything about what Eileen was doing except for Richard Mallory. Yeah. Which is bullshit. Yeah. Uh, In Eileen's confessions, she was confident, made pretty easy conversation with the investigators, and a lot of people speculate she has she was more worried about clearing Tyra's name than she was in clearing her own. Yeah. And in one of her taped confessions, she actually states, quote, I took a life. I am willing to give up my life because I killed people. I deserve to die. Because Tyra, not Tyra, Eileen hates herself. Yeah. I mean, she tried to kill herself like what, six, was it, times? six times. Six times, yeah. Before the age of 22. Oh, that's wild. 
Um, okay, the defense's argument, and this is a very small paragraph. I didn't have a lot to help themselves <laughs> There's not with. a lot of arguing here. Eileen wasn't doing them any favors. No. Um, okay, so the defense tried to argue that Eileen's confession was given under duress and violated her rights to due process because investigators had exploited her relationship with Tyra in order to obtain the confession from Eileen, the whole phone call. That's just smart police work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this argument was thrown out, and Eileen was actually the defense only witness. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is Eileen's story at trial. Okay. Uh, this is gonna get real fun. Real, real fun. <laughs> okay. Eileen did testify at her trial against her attorney's wishes, and a defendant does have the right to testify at trial, but... Or Once de- you're up there, you're up there. Yeah. So, the most... The reason most, you know, attorneys don't want you to get up there is because any time you deny answering a question or plead the fifth, etc., that's used against you. That it's looks not real like a, bad on it you. It looks real fucking bad, especially yeah. to the jury. Oh, yeah. So, this happened a lot. So, Eileen reported her claim of self-defense during her testimony, and during the cross-examination, Eileen got agitated and angry, and she pled the fifth. Not once, not twice, but 25 times. <laughs> 25 times. 25. That's a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and you know she was angry while she was doing it, because we've seen Eileen. She's probably like, Oh, she gets worked up. Fuck you. I played the fifth. <laughs> I ain't saying shit. All That's of probably Alex's what people have country accents, <laughs> even if they're not from the south. They're from Michigan. She's from Michigan. <laughs> I ain't saying shit. Give me some cocaine. <laughs> oh god damn it. Okay, so uh, here's the verdict. So after 91 minutes, That's really which short. Is so short, really considering short. someone's life is on the line. Yeah. 91 minutes, an hour and a half. So after 91 minutes of deliberation, the jury of seven women and five men found Eileen guilty on all counts. Okay. And Eileen angrily stated to the jury... (laughs) Can I say this part? Yes. (laughs) Eileen stated to the jury, you sons of bitches, I was raped. I hope you get raped, scumbags of America. my favorite part she called them all scumbags yeah that's not really getting you any sympathy sexual violence against them (laughs) these are the people who are in charge of your life (laughs) and you're like fuck you get raped That's so crazy. That's so wild. Um, okay. <laughs> the penalty phase, the state's expert psychologist, Dr. Bernard, stated that Warno suffered from borderline personality disorder, I yep. think, okay. and antisocial personality disorder. Also checks out. Although Dr. Bernard agreed that Eileen's judgment was impaired because of these two disorders, the disturbance was not extreme. <laughs> I would say... I beg to differ. It's I, extremely extreme. <laughs> I would say killing people because you're <laughs> upset is extreme but whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. The defense also called in witnesses to testify about Eileen's childhood and upbringing. You okay. know, trying to like play off the I had a bad childhood so I'm not responsible thing. Yeah. With an okay. emphasis on her biological father and her grandfather okay. and the abuse Eileen endured at a young age. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the prosecution also brought in Eileen's adoptive brother, oh. uh, her mother, Diane's brother, Barry Warnos. Oh, because oh, she lived with them. Yeah. Okay. All right. And he claims that they had a fine and dandy upbringing. Okay. Uh, what? Maybe because you weren't getting raped? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like he, one, like, he probably thinks that whole family situation is normal, so he doesn't see anything wrong with it. That's true. And two, he's probably trying to kind of cover his family's ass to not make him look bad. Yeah. So weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the jury ended up recommending the death penalty for Eileen. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't look great if you tell him to get raped. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my 
my and, God. you know, they're, it's responsible for that. Uh, so, 35-year-old Eileen, which at this point in her life, I feel like she's like 55 just because she's <laughs> She's done... lived so many lives. She's, she's been in so and out of jail shit. every other year. <laughs> Get fucked. Oh, uh, so, 35-year-old Eileen was sentenced to death by the electric chair, Ugh. and Judge Bunky actually ended Bunky. his sentencing by saying, quote, may God have mercy on your corpse. Instead of soul? <laughs> Instead of soul. <laughs> he knew Eileen didn't have one. Oh my god. Oh, that's wild. Okay. And then I'm going to go over this part because yeah. it's about my girl Tyra. Yeah. She, she's a piece of work. Tyra, they both are. Mm, Tyra was discovered to make a ton of book and movie deals <laughs> after the trial, selling her story. That's so great. Three detectives on the case also sold their sto- stories. Oh you know, they obviously god. weren't with the department anymore after this because you can't do that, but. Yeah. yeah. And she was probably helping. Yeah. And she's making like oh, Well, you know, I mean, we don't know crazy. that she was helping. Yeah. But maybe hypothetically she could have been helping. Oh my god. She probably could have known about the whole thing in general. Uh, that's so crazy. So okay. this is a an interesting tidbit. Okay. Got you remember Richard Mallory? The I first do. one? Number yep. one. Yep. Numero Uno murder. In November nineteen ninety two, it was discovered that Richard Mallory, when he was nineteen, he was convicted and served ten years for an attempted violent rape in Maryland. <sighs> So he was like he a was a racist. violent guy. Yeah, he was he was convicted of it. Oh my so god! So had her defense done the research, they would have found, they would have found that. But a judge denied it to be allowed back into evidence for trial, and she did not get a retrial, which is bullshit. Because everybody's entitled to a a fair trial, a fair trial and defense, and she did not get that. Yeah, that's a so little fucked up. I think it is possible that Richard Mallory did try to rape Eileen, and she killed him in self defense, and then killed all of her other victims because she thought that they were going to rape her too because she was suffering from PTSD. Yeah. Oh my god. Because she was raped by Richard, her grandfather, her grandfather's friends, probably more people too. Yeah. That's so crazy that they mm-hmm. were just like, well, eh, we're just not going to allow yeah, that. Yeah, fuck you, Eileen. You told us to get fucked. God. But she should have had a fair trial. She should have had a fair trial. She also shouldn't have murdered seven people. No. <laughs> but I she think she should have had a fair trial. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, in March of 1992, Eileen pled no contest to the murders of Charles Humphreys, Troy Burris, and David Spears, oh. stating that she wanted to, quote, get right with God. Oh. And I know that we have... Oops. <laughs> Uh, and I know that we haven't really mentioned this yet, but Eileen was like really into religion and she spoke a lot about God and Satan and referenced the Bible a lot, which is weird. Sure. Uh, in June, 1992, Eileen pled guilty to the murder of Charles Clark Scadden. And in February, 1993, she pled guilty to the murder of Walter Antonio. Okay. All right. In her final plea, Eileen maintained that Richard Mallory did violently rape her, but the others did not. And that the only kind of started, started to. Yeah, or she, or she thought, thought they were about to. Yep. <sighs> yeah, so I think, say? I think he did. Yeah. Uh, it's my opinion, but I think he did. Yeah. Eileen Warnos received six death sentences. <laughs> in case you don't die the first, first time. five times. You get another, you get another one. <laughs> yeah. And in 2001, Damn. after her uh, appeal, Eileen begged for death. She stated that she could not be released back into society because she had too much anger and hatred and that she would definitely kill again. Which, at least she was Damn. honest about it. Yeah. Like, you better not let me out of here. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to get your ass, especially you, Bunky. She Bunky. definitely would have killed Bunky. <laughs> My new best friend, Bunky. 
Um, okay, so Eileen had the option of either lethal injection or electric chair. So she was executed by lethal injection at 9.47 a.m. on October 9th, 2002. Um, and I think, I don't know if I put this in here, but I think she, like, thought it out in her head and she was like, if I get lethal injection, I'm, like, dead real and, quick. Yeah. Um, or so electrocution can take a couple zaps. Yeah, and it may not always work. You know Green Mile? Yeah. Oh, ooh, that's... Oh, I read all the books. They were creepy. There are books? Yes. Oh. It's by Stephen King. It is? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, like, it's like a mini, mini-er series. Oh, I didn't know Like, that. all the, all the books make, like, basically one big book. Oh, what's the little mouse's name? Oh, uh, fuck. That's, That's been a while. Um, shit. Google. Is it Theodore? No. Mr. Jingles. Mr. Jingles. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Jingles. <laughs> him oh shit okay back to this um so she chose lethal injection and 46 year old eileen was asked if she had any last words and she said <laughs> this is so weird she said oh, hold on can i say yeah, it yeah. oh yeah. yeah yes i would just like to say i'm sailing with the rock and i'll be back like independence day with jesus june 6th like the movie big mother ship and all i'll be back i'll be back idea what the fuck that means it's like it's a mixture of it's almost like movie references <laughs> like i'll be back You're like i'll be back <laughs> what does it mean eileen i hope not eileen oh man so weird so um every single day from the time that eileen was incarcerated she actually wrote letters to her best friend back in michigan someone wanted to be friends with eileen yeah and this chick is like she's real proud that she is friends with eileen it's strange it's a weird weird okay weird she's dynamic. weird yeah um and her name is don botkins uh, and they've been friends since they were teenagers um and these letters are where we actually get a lot of insight into who eileen really was um and in these letters eileen claimed that the real eileen never killed anyone and that someone else who she referred to as lucifer oh my god yeah was controlling her um and don actually spent four hours with eileen the day before eileen was executed um and eileen's body was cremated and dawn spread her ashes under an oak tree in her backyard oh could you imagine having a serial killer buried in your backyard <laughs> like oh yeah can't mow the grass today eileen is still getting into the dirt yeah and she's really proud of it it's really That's strange really to watch strange. <laughs> it's so strange um, okay, and also in these letters to Don, Eileen actually wanted Don to tell Peter Sims' family. Remember the guy who liked to pick up hitchhikers? Yeah. She wanted Don to tell his family that she, or no, that he did not pick her up for sex work. That he had picked her up as a hitchhiker and out of the kindness of his own heart. And you still killed him, Eileen? That's how we know it's not self-defense. Yeah. He was, um... He was just trying the, to be nice. Yeah, in one of the documentaries, I think his son or his nephew or somebody is talking. It's very, it's very sad. So you hear that, Whitney? We should not pick up hitchhikers. <laughs> Whitney picks up hitchhikers? Whitney tries to pick up hitchhikers all the time. I'm like, Whitney, it's fine if you give them cash or a bottle of water, some snacks. That's fine, but we're not putting them in the car. 
<laughs> yeah, they're not getting in the car with us. That's um, not a thing. Eileen was actually the first woman serial killer in American history. Yeah. Um, she, well, you know, on paper. Yeah. We got a special one, mini, mini-sode coming for you guys. Possibly the first <gasps> female serial killer out of our very own Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, uh, yep. You're right. Okay. Um, she had one of the quickest trials ever, and she was the first person ever, man or woman, to be sentenced to six death sentences. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. Six death sentences. That's overkill. That's way overkill. Yep. Oh, shit. I got a hell hell of a fun fact section for you. Yeah, okay, because I'm all Eileened out. I need need some (laughs) happiness. I need some fun facts. Okay, so you know how Uh, death row inmates get their, like, last meal? Yeah. So we're going to go over some famous last meals. Oh, that's fun. Okay, let's hear them. So we're going to start with Eileen, our lady of the hour. (laughs) Hers um, was a cup of black coffee. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Just a cup of coffee. Just a cup of coffee. That's uh, okay. That's dramatic. Uh, John Wayne Gacy. Oh. His oh, would give me the shits. Um, he had a dozen <laughs> deep fried shrimp, a bucket of original recipe KFC chicken. Oh, that OG recipe. Okay. Well, he uh, owned KFC locations. Oh. Yeah. Got them from his in-laws. Okay. Uh, French fries, one pound of strawberries, <laughs> and a Diet Coke. What a weird combination of food. Because if you eat a Diet Coke... It evens all out. Uh-huh. You can get your Big Mac and basket of fries, but yep. as long as you got your Diet Coke, you're good. It's good. <laughs> uh, Ted Bundy declined a last meal, so he was fed the basically standard last meal, okay. which is a medium rare steak and eggs over easy, toast, milk, coffee, and hash browns. Oh. And he didn't eat any of it. Oh, my God. That's yeah. also dramatic. Dramatic. <laughs> he was claiming innocence till the very end, so. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Uh, James Edward Smith, a okay. Louisville native. <gasps> native okay he asked for a pile of dirt so he could oh. perform a voodoo ritual so james smith is a little mother <laughs> uh, screw loose okay the prison declined and james was given a cup of yogurt instead <laughs> <laughs> uh, well it's kind of like dirt yeah, uh philip like workman okay. another another kentucky yeah all right he declined a last meal but instead wanted the prison to donate a vegetarian pizza to a homeless person in downtown nashville Oh, that's sweet. The prison didn't do this, uh, but many people in the public heard about this and did do this. They donated a bunch of pizzas to people in need and homeless shelters in Tennessee. That's kind of sweet. Yeah. 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 He probably murdered a bunch of people. I was going to say. At least he gave away some pizzas. I was going to say, how many people did Philip Workman kill? <laughs> We're going to have to cover him. Oh, shit. Oh, that's funny. Oh, man. We did it. And that's that. <laughs> Eileen, third time's the charm. <laughs> Come on, Come Eileen. Those are the only words that I know. Come on, Eileen. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. It's so hot in here. I'm so sweaty. Yeah, I got to take George out, too. <laughs> got to go for his afternoon potty. Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks for that. You're welcome. That was a lot of fun. I know that you loved hearing that. I did. I did. I <laughs> did. I did. Um, she's crazy, and um, we're dedicating this episode to Harley, who <laughs> loves a female killer. Yeah, oh, she sure does. You're welcome, Har. Yep. <laughs> Don't All say we right. didn't ever do anything for you. Yeah. And we'll catch you <laughs> next week, I guess. Sure. Who knows? All who right. Love knows. you. Bye. Don't kill anybody with a pistol. Just go to therapy instead. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hipton. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye. Come on, Eileen. Come on, Eileen. I don't know any other words besides <laughs> come on, Eileen. That's the only part I know, too. Uh, okay. Hi, Katniss. Hi, I don't know your brother's food. <laughs> uh, he owned an electronics shop in Clearwater, which is whenever they changed both of their last... Ba- <laughs> so stupid. Best names. <laughs> Two years later, in 1976, Eileen Hitchway Hitch, I... Actually, I'll let you read this part, because I think I forgot to put your name back in here. Oh, damn it. Scar forgot about me.